You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Roger B. This is America's Web Radio, and you're listening to Locked and Loaded. This is the show where we talk about guns, we talk about weapons, we talk about firearms. And occasional knives. And we also talk about accessories related yeah. to guns, related to weapons, related to firearms. And we also talk about politics related to, you guessed it, guns, weapons, and firearms. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when I sit here and hang out with you sometimes. I can't help myself. That's right. It's easy to throw down when it comes to talking about guns. Oh, my God. Well, here we go. Firstly, I have to take a few minutes, maybe more than a few, but I have to discuss upcoming in a couple days is the is the July 4th holiday. And I have to take a few minutes Ooh. to talk about this because it's just a couple days away, and it seems a perfect time to discuss what made July 4th possible, what made American independence a possibility. I mean... Without this, there's several. There's a few factors. One factor in particular, which I like to discuss, that made American independence possible. Yeah, you guessed it: guns, weapons, firearms, <laughs> and having those guns in the hands of the people who made American independence possible. They actually picked up these guns and used them to fight for their independence from from Britain. Now, you may wonder, why did they do that? How awful is that? Why did they have to use guns? That was the only way to fight for the American future. Oh, 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 Victor, we have a, we have a question. Me, 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 me. Go, Victor, go. Gee, so we could shoot back? Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, I don't think that the British would have play, played a game of rock, paper, scissors to give Americans their independence. Nope, and Palestinian ammo would have had no effect against the British. Yeah. In fact, you know, just the fact that these people had the attitude that they wanted to be free, be free was not going to be enough. They had to have guns. Because, I mean, the British had a standing army. I mean, you know, they weren't going to just lay down and walk away. You know, maybe we could have a sign posted, no British loyalist allowed, and they would have just left because they obeyed the sign and they would have left the country. <laughs> yeah, kind of like how none, no gun zones work. We could have just put That's up right. no British zones. Yeah, British free zone. The entire country <laughs> is a British free zone. Yeah, because it works so well. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much thinking we would have had to have the guns. The future needed the guns, and it needed the ability and the skills to use them as well. And you know, Roger, at that time, we didn't have a Democrat president who was willing to, oh, I don't Sell know. out our future? Well, we didn't have a Democrat president that was willing to round up the British and put them in internment camps. You know, like that Democrat president did oh, to some Japanese right. people. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. But I digress. Yeah, well, <laughs> now we have... A president who's usually standing on the side of the Second Amendment. There's been a few exceptions here and there, but overall he's been good for the, the gun-buying and gun-owning public, which should be every able-bodied person in America who believes the right way. But anyway, okay. Now, here's a, a little question I'm going to throw out there because a lot of people know this already. If you know, don't shout out the answer. But if you don't know, I want to ask you how many people – or what percentage of people of the colonists do you think actually actively participated in the American Revolution? I want to know how many people you think picked up a weapon or served actively in some capacity declaring that they wanted to be free of British rule. And in these newly formed 
soon-to-be United States military units. I wonder what percentage of people made these up. That's what I want to know. <clears throat> I mean, just stated that you wanted to be free of, free of British rule was not enough to get them to leave. We're going to have to do more than that. That is why everyone who signed the Declaration of Independence did so knowing full well that failure to win their independence would mean their deaths. You mean that I couldn't just get a protest sign and get a group together, put a couple of masks on my face, and demand that the British leave? Yes, and make them say, I'm in my safe space, you have to go away. Right, I couldn't demand a a cry closet and make them go away? (laughs) This is back when men were men, women were women. And the sheep were, no. (laughs) That's Australia. (laughs) But yeah, they signed this knowing full well that if they didn't succeed, they would either have to be on the run for the rest of their lives or they would be captured and eventually hung, shot, killed in some way by the British when they took back over. But these men and women had the faith and they had the ability to defend themselves and their fellow countrymen. Now, I don't know the percentage of people who believed in American independence, but I know the actual number. We're going to come back to that now. The actual number of people, in case you were guessing, I've heard guesses 10, 15, 25, 35 percent. It was 3 percent of the colonists were actually actively involved in fighting the American Revolution. I was about to throw my hand up again. Yes, it was a very small minority of the people. In fact, that's actually a big thing now. You'll see the Roman numeral 3 with a percent by it. Meaning that's all it takes to make great changes. And at this time, you've got to realize, you know, this was 3% who fought for independence. And what they had is what I'm going to call, okay, let's see, I'm going to call this a forget you attitude. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a, a guy named John Goodman, the actor. He's actually in a scene in a movie called The Gambler where he talks about the forget you attitude. Of course, he uses a little more colorful language than I'm going to use today, so I'm just going to stick with forget you. Keep it clean. And he talks about the attitude of Americans back in the 1700s, you know, what they did and how how giant a move it actually was because people don't realize at this time, I mean, here you're going to go against a country that has a standing army. The colonists said, forget you. They had one of the greatest navies to ever sail the seas to this day. And the colonists said, forget you. The British were some of the most prolific conquerors of all times. And the colonists said, forget you. Well, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. <laughs> and just like that, folks, <laughs> you know, this is live radio. Like I said before, the largest live podcasting uh, radio station out there. And uh, wow. things, when, when shows are live, things happen. Things happen. That's right. You know, the clock, the clock gets misread. But anyway, where were we? Oh, yeah. Forget you. These colonists stood up and said, forget you. The fact that the British had a standing army, forget you. They had one of the largest navies to ever sail the seas, forget you. 
the fact that they were the most prolific conquerors of all times. Forget you. These colonists said, forget you, and they fought anyway. Absolutely. They turned and looked at that and said, uh, yeah, we got this. Forget you. Forget you. <laughs> we want our independence. We're not going to pay taxes without representation. Oh, where is that spirit today? I don't know. It seems like taxes are overwhelming, and they want to take it and spend it on people who don't even live here or aren't citizens. It's oh, but that's a whole nother story, oh, and we're not going to shoot anybody over that just yet. There's a collective in New York. Oi! <laughs> so anyway, they fought anyway, and thank goodness they were successful in securing our independence. Had they not been successful, I'm sure our history books would have been written differently. You would have hey. heard about the the colonial terrorist uprising during <laughs> during the the British. Colonial you know, occupation or rule. Mm-hmm. Gee, hey Roger, I got a question for you. Shoot, y- you think if we hadn't won our independence, which would have meant British rule, which would have meant British socialism, which they call socialistic democracy, whatever the crap they call it, you think Kaepernick would be making millions and millions of dollars to sit on a bench in a game called football? Who? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you forget. This is locked and loaded. The only reason that we would be interested in a game of football is they were to throw the balls or kick and the balls, and we could shoot them. them. <laughs> it's like a golf course. Someone says, hey. do you play golf? I go, a golf course is a perfectly good waste of a shooting range. <laughs> you just thought of a new game there. I'd love to shoot some old oblong brown footballs. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Have them kick it and see if you could knock it out of the air. That'd be a game I'd watch. Before it goes through the uprights, we get three shots. I love it. <laughs> Stand on the sidelines just don't oh. shoot each other, yes. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Would you get extra points for uh, for peppering Kaepernick with a little bit of extra shot here and there? Oh, you would in my book. Especially <laughs> with a shotgun. You wouldn't, av- wouldn't hurt him, but it might scare him a little bit. Now, we're not advocating violence. We would no, use no, beanbag no. shots. That's right. Or plastic pellets. That's right. Or you could just kick him in the nuts. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I am uh, distracting yes, your yes. host, Roger okay. B. But now, uh, and and we did fight for independence. We won our independence, and we formed one of the greatest countries ever in the history of the world, at least in my humble opinion. And if you don't believe that, you're welcome to leave because we are still a free country, and you're free to get the heck out. <clears throat> but today, of course, is a little bit different time. And it seems kind of weird, but a lot of people today are talking about a second revolution because some People honestly believe our differences are too great to reconcile, that we're too far apart. We cannot come to an agreement anywhere in the middle. Now, part of this is because politicians do their very best to split us up. If you notice, politicians will always divide people into groups, pit us against each other, and make us fight. But you know what? You don't see American refugees. They don't go to other countries. We dust off our guns and we get to work. Now, I'm not saying it's time for that yet. Right now, I think we have not gone too far. I still believe our system works. Now, you should always keep your guns guns dusted, clean, and in operating order. Let me not, you know, diminish any of that. But I have to say the system still works, and voting is still the greatest revolution that we can have. It's not easy, and it takes great self-control, especially when you're discussing politics with anyone who holds a different opinion. But just as fighting in a war is not easy either, discussing politics is not. And if you're going to do it, you have to do it smart. 
you always have to be nice. And it's hard because a lot of these people hold such different views or sometimes try and get so violent or so offended by everything that they want to, you know, have a huge argument. And the idea is to kind of feel kind of feel them out a little bit. Ask them a few questions. Try and get them to come to conclusions on their own. That would be the best way to have a discussion about this. Because I don't want us to have a second revolution with, you know, guns and bullets. I want us to have a revolution at the voters box. I want people to be able to kick these politicians. I'll say that being as nice as I can. Get them out and let's put some fresh blood in there. Oh, absolutely. That goes on both sides. Throw yes. out the oh, Democrats, yeah. throw out some of these establishment Republicans, especially the never Trumpers. I'm done with them. Yeah. And any information you can impart to these people about any subject that'll push them into a little bit more I guess American freedom loving view would be greatly helped in the in the ideal voting scheme. Push people in that way, especially when it comes to gun rights. That's one of my most passionate areas, and I think everybody who's capable and has the, I guess, the mental capacity to own and the safety required and education to use one properly should have a gun. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Now, if you don't feel comfortable with it, don't want to do it, don't want to get the training necessary, by all means, do not do it. Still a free country. You have the right to choose. However, don't infringe on my right to choose. And I found one of the best ways to help convince people is to ask them questions. See where they stand on things. If they don't like guns, ask them why not. What is it they fear about them? Why do they think they're so bad? And now here's the hard part. You have to have the information to back up any points you're going to make. Because you can't just say, oh, you're wrong. Guns are good. It's like you need to tell them the statistics. Give them the facts and the numbers of how many guns are stolen that get used in crime. How many of the shootings in this country are actually police shooting bad guys? Those are numbers that are included in CDC numbers. And it's not easy, but fighting a revolution never is. And right now, our revolution has to be fought on the on the battlefield of a voting area. You have to start by voting the right people into office. And don't just take the word of somebody who you think is a popular celebrity. All right, we're going to be back in a few minutes again from a second break. You're listening to America's Web Radio. This is Locked and Loaded, and I am Roger B. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys 
recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. This is Locked and Loaded. I am Roger B. And you're listening to America's Web Radio. Now, we're going to get back to this. The revolution we're fighting now has to be fought at the voting booth. Not any other way right now because I honestly believe this is the, the system still works. It can work. You have to talk to people. You have to see if you can convince them even a little bit to doubt their their views if they have anything that is just totally off-the-wall anti-American. Have them doubt it just a little bit. Have them go look something up. If you can get somebody to go and look something up and they find out the information that they've been believing is wrong, that will reinforce your point more than anything, and they may come back to you and ask you for something else. And if you don't get it with the first person, move on to the next one. Start with family. Start with friends. Of course, you have to be very delicate with this because I don't want anybody to lose friends or not talk to family because they have a difference in politics. But at least try. If it doesn't go that way, drop it and move on to the next person. But let's keep the guns right now for personal defense and sporting activities. Because remember, information is the best power we've got at the moment. And if the system is still working, then we need to use it first because anything else is strictly a last resort. Now, I have one other story here. I'm going to get into a little bit of politics here after I've made my play on American independence and what that means to me. I I know guns made this country. They built this country. They founded this country. Now, for years, the name Whataburger was about as Texas as the Alamo is the way I, I had read. And recently, apparently, Whataburger was sold to a company from Illinois. Now, as we all know, Illinois is a very let's put it, gun-unfriendly sort of state. They do not like people having guns except for their politicians, maybe their police, I don't know. Now, in Texas, you must have a sign posted to say that you do not allow weapons on the premises. Without a sign, you really have no right to ask people to leave or to get out. If the sign is not posted, then legally you're not supposed to be able to last to ask them to leave, especially for just carrying a weapon. But apparently, somebody had walked in, was asked to leave because they were carrying a weapon. He went back to the door, looked around, did not see the required sign, and made it a point to exploit this a little bit, to find out why there was no sign posted here, and yet they were asking him to leave. You know, if it's not posted, it's not legal. Now... Generally, I won't go to places that don't allow me to carry, except for the fact I live in Georgia. And in Georgia, a sign really doesn't mean anything. There's no repercussions. If they have a sign that says no weapons allowed and you have one anyway, 
Now, granted, if you carry concealed, no one's going to know unless they need to know. And at that point, no one's going to care if you're shooting a bad guy who's trying to kill everybody in the place. In fact, you'll probably be heralded as a hero, and they'll trample right over the sign that said no weapons allowed inside as they carry you out on their shoulders. However, if they do see it or realize you're carrying and they ask you to leave, then in order to avoid being prosecuted for trespassing, you must then leave at that time. But in Texas, if you don't have a sign, you're not even allowed to ask anybody to leave just for that reason. So we'll have to see how this pans out. Now, apparently, the owners of Whataburger have planned to now place signs at all their stores and decide to go full Illinois or Chicago with the Whataburger franchise. So from now on, if you're in a Whataburger anywhere and they have a sign there, depending on what state you're in, maybe you won't be allowed to carry into the Whataburgers, especially in Texas. If they have the sign there, there you are not allowed legally to carry if they have the proper posted sign. So now it's no longer a Texas company. Now they're going to act differently. And I guess that's how people are. Some people are so afraid of things they don't understand. They're so afraid of guns because they've never fired one. They've never touched one. They've never seen one in real life. It's just like when you get in a car for the first time, you know. When you're a little kid, they throw you in this big metal box and drive you around. It probably scares you to death. But after a while, you get used to it, and then you learn to drive one yourself. It's all about what you know. Now, here's an interesting an interesting story. There was a jewelry store, K Jewelers. They denied entry to their store by a uniformed officer because he was armed. Now, as we discussed before, certain places, if they have signs saying no weapons, no weapons allowed, you're supposed to obey these signs in certain states. Other states, they can ask you to leave, and you're supposed to leave. However, this was a little different. This was not some civilian walking in. It was not a security guard. It was not an off-duty police officer. Now, why he was walking into a jewelry store while he was on duty seems a little odd. Maybe he was just off duty, but he was in full uniform, had a marked patrol car parked in the parking lot, came walking in to either pick something up or get something ordered. But the jewelry store made it perfectly clear he was not welcome in their establishment while he was armed. Now, I wonder if that would change if the jewelry store was being robbed. Would the policeman have to wait outside until the burglars tried to make their escape? Would they ask him to not step into the establishment till after the robbery was over? This just, it boggles my mind that these people actually had the audacity to tell a uniformed police officer he was not allowed to go in their store. Oh, apparently he was on his lunch break while this happened. He was picking up an engagement ring, which apparently he had ordered previously. Maybe he'd done this without his uniform on in street clothes so they didn't know who he was. However, it just seems really odd that any store would want to to ostracize the local police when they come in to do business with them. It's just, it seems so odd. They met him at the door and told him he was not allowed, the store manager told him he was not allowed to wear his service weapon on the premises. So, I don't know. You have to consider some of these people and their anti-gun hatred. It goes so far that they would deny a police officer entry into their business just because he was wearing a weapon. So that's K Jewelers. Now, bear in mind that the company spokesperson for K Jewelers responded to the sheriff officer's post saying they're reaching out to the customer and they want to apologize for the mishandling of this matter. So obviously the company itself does not take this stand in general. They claim to have a tremendous respect for law enforcement 
and they thank the sheriff's office for bringing it to their intention because it was posted on social media and the cage rulers responded in kind saying you know this is not generally their policy in fact they don't think this was how the officer should have been treated a mistake was made so at least they're trying to make amends we'll see what happens regarding this i don't know and they said it doesn't actually apply to uniformed officers so Maybe the manager just had a problem, or maybe he didn't understand the policy completely. And I have, you know, I've never heard of a cop going into a jewelry store and robbing it, so that would seem really silly. And if he was a criminal, do you think a sign would have stopped him? I don't think it would have stopped the British from keeping us under British rule. All these people think signs are going to prevent everything, but I just don't think it's going to work. Now, I wonder... How would this jewelry store's insurance company react to find out they didn't want armed police officers in their store? Oh, my God. Just just tell them, no, no, we don't want any police here under any circumstances. Well, anyway, hopefully that will be fixed. Kay will make amends. They will change their policy to allow anybody with a gun who's legally carrying it to be allowed on the premises. But I wouldn't hold my breath for that. Well, welcome to California once again. I know you Californians. If, if I have any fans out there, I appreciate it. But you guys have some of the most ridiculous politicians I have ever heard of. And starting yesterday, I believe, yes, July 1st, Californians from now on will have to show ID and go through a background check, wait for it, to purchase ammunition. No more going to Walmart and picking up a box of shotgun shells and walking out with it to the front counter. No more purchasing it without a complete background check. Now, of course, you're wondering, background check? Who does this? Who pays for this? Well, you do. In California, you pay a dollar for the background check every time you want to get it done in order to determine your eligibility to buy ammunition. So it's just basically another tax. And you got to wonder, now, it's a dollar right now, and they've actually the policy was not even submitted to any of the gun store owners or places that sold ammunition. They say they're going to get it to them shortly or on July 1st. So I don't know. I haven't been able to find anything about what was being released, if they've added any kind of um, you know exemptions or anything like that, if you already have a weapons permit or something like that, which in California is nearly impossible to get. But so now on, every time you buy ammo, you're going to have to pay a dollar. Now, I don't know if that's per box or per background check, and you can buy as much ammo as you want once you get the background check. But you basically have to go through a gun background check to buy ammunition. And, of course, they have some of the toughest laws in the country anyway. They have a 10-day waiting period for the sale or transfer of any gun, among other restrictions. And now they're going to add this background check to the purchase of any ammunition. Now, this is particularly worrying to me because California is like a virus. Anything they do tends to infect other states <laughs> that feel the same way as they do. So other states are probably just looking at this going, hey, we can do that too, except we're not going to charge a dollar. We're going to charge $5, $10, to do a background check for each time you buy ammo. Or maybe we'll just make you buy a card so you have to have an identification card to buy ammo. So it seems like each time you pay a dollar and how long will it be before that goes up it's like a lot of these these a lot of these people have information on file already maybe they're going to offer a card you can get where you can show your background check card 
and get the ammo. I don't know. There's been no information released yet, so nobody really knows what's going on here. They're just going to start charging a dollar and running a, a, a background check on everybody buying even a box of ammo. So, you know, now if you can't afford to buy more than several boxes at once, you're going to pay a dollar extra for every box you buy. And it's funny because they said sales were up in the ammunition and gun stores over 400% from last year at the same time. So apparently everyone's stocking up before this new crazy law goes into effect. So who knows? Maybe Cal- in California they can take that tax and buy porta potties for San Francisco. Yeah, they need something or even bigger fire hoses to just hose everybody down. Or maybe electroshock therapy for all their politicians. <laughs> Because we know they're not using their brains. Or maybe they are. You know, you wonder. Do they have a, you know, they're trying to get a back way to gun control, a back way to take control of all the citizens. It just, it scares me to think that these people want to be the only ones who have all the guns. Now, of course, everyone's wondering in California, you know, how much is this going to go up from here? What's going to happen after the dollar is collected for a year, are they going to raise it up? Is it limited to that? California is not telling anybody what the procedure is going to be until, I guess, yesterday they released the information, which I have not seen yet. But also, you got to figure, if they can limit ammunition by background checks, that could be an easy way to backdoor gun control. They decide, oh, wait, you made a no-fly list. We're not going to let you buy any ammunition. You know, well... We're going to be back in a moment. Right now, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to America's Web Radio. This is Locked and Loaded. Your auto love and investment demands the best. And for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And although California, we're back to California again. This is America's Web Radio. This is Locked and Loaded. And California has made the news yet again. We're talking about their ammunition background checks. Now, people are wondering, will this stop any people from getting ammunition who shouldn't have it? I mean, there's states to the left 
Well, no, there are no states to the left because they're as left as you can get. Ha! But, uh, no, there are states all around them that sell ammunition without any background checks, at least for now. People can go to Arizona, then go to Oregon, and they can get ammunition and bring it in. So people who were not able to or know people who are unable to buy it would certainly be able to fill up a van or a truckload and bring it into California, sell it out of their trunk or their car, probably for two or three times the amount it normally sells for to anybody who either didn't want to go undergo the background check or was unable to pass it. Now, granted, you could say the same thing with guns as well. People could bring guns into the state as well. But with the ammunition, it seems like if you just didn't want to go through the background check, you could bring it in from out of state, which, of course, according to the new California law, is still illegal. So we'll have to see how this goes. And, again, how far will they go with this? Because, to me, ammunition is just a a backdoor way to have gun control. So... We'll see. After July 1st, after yesterday, they should have released some information. We'll see if we can get that for the next time. But now, in a most unusual turn of events, I'm going to California for a good story. There's a California town that wants to be a pro-gun sanctuary city. They want to allow people to have weapons. They want to allow them to ignore state laws and have whatever weapons they want. Now, you could be wondering, doesn't this violate state law? Yes, it does. But in California, apparently, you only have to obey the laws you feel you want to. For instance, California does not want to obey any laws regarding immigration, so they just ignore them. They give them IDs. They give them driver's licenses. They allow them to vote in local elections. Even though it's illegal, they do it anyway. So this city is deciding to go against the California current, swim upstream, fight the Californians, and provide a gun sanctuary city. It's a, it's a little town called Needles. It's a former railroad town that's loaded, located just across the Colorado River from Arizona. Now, they have 5,000 people here, and they wanted to provide, not for the undocumented immigrants, but for supporters of gun rights. Now, you kind of wonder, how is that going to come to a clash? Is the state going to send regulators there or state marshals to try and arrest people who violate state laws? And how would that go if the federal government decided to do the same thing with the state of California, the way they ignore the immigration laws? Now, the city council here voted this in because they wanted everyone to know that the city council in Needles supports the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms. So maybe with this, California is not that bad. Maybe they're seeing the light. Maybe there's a chance California could save itself because they've gone about as left as you can go without falling off into the ocean. Now, I seriously doubt that California, the state officials, are going to allow this to go unchecked. I have a feeling they're going to come in, try and shut this down, tell them they're breaking the law, But how far will they go? Will they arrest citizens? Maybe they'll try and arrest the council members. That would lead to a very interesting story, although I'm sure the media would probably ignore it. I mean, it's just, it's a small city and it's probably not a, just but a blip on the radar of most of the state legislators in Sacramento. Because they're right in the middle of a big poop storm themselves. I mean, Sacramento's way up there near San Francisco from what I understand. And they're dealing with homeless people invading the streets of uh, and 
diseases are starting to come back that were essentially eradicated in this country. The unsanitary conditions are just going to lead to ridiculous health problems, huge amounts of cost in cleaning everything up, and kill the tourism trade. Who wants to walk around in a city where people are pooping and peeing all over the streets? But anyway, I digress. Back to the city. They're going to try and see if they can provide a sanctuary city for firearm lovers, for gun lovers, for weapons lovers. As unlikely a town, as, as unlikely a, a place as it may be to do it in California, they're going to try anyway. So I applaud them. I wish them the best of success. But more importantly, I hope this idea spreads to other California towns or other California counties or cities where they can provide a sanctuary city for firearms, have places where people can go who don't feel the same as everybody in the big cities, who want to maintain their rights, who don't want them infringed upon. Now, I have to say, this gives me some hope. Maybe, possibly, this could be a way for California to turn things around. Now, granted, 5,000 people in a state of millions... It's not going to make a huge dent, but if they just get mentioned, if people know it's there, if other counties and cities will see this, maybe we can turn this around. Maybe California is not too far gone. Although I have to admit, I really have my doubts. I don't think they're going to pull this off. I don't think they're going to come out of the uh, poop hole that they're sitting in. <laughs> There's no other way. No, no other way to put it, folks. They are in a world of hurt right now. But, hey, they're going in debt. They're drowning in poop. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they'll just burn everything and start over. Because it'd be nice to have some coastal land that wasn't ruled by a bunch of morons. But right now, the hero of the week, my hero of the week, is President, uh, the, the president of the Philippines, President Rodrigo Derte. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name, but if he hears me, he can call me. He announced in mid-June that he's got plans to reduce gang and drug violence by reducing the crime, and he's going to do it by arming the local community leaders. How amazing. This guy actually understands what's going on. You don't get rid of crime by disarming citizens who can fight it for you. These leaders are known as barangay captains and have been unwilling to report gang and drug violence in the past because they're afraid of violent repercussions from the very gangs and drug dealers that they're reporting. So basically the drug and gang leaders had a hold on the whole country. People were afraid to report them. They were afraid to talk against them because they had the capability of committing violence on these people. Now, after consulting with the police intelligence agencies in his country, the president announced he was considering the bold move to provide the community leaders with guns. There are 42,000 barangay captains that would be eligible for the free or private purchase subsidized guns. And this is from Martin Dino, the Interior Department Secretary, who is responsible for all these community leaders, the barangays. And the condition is that the barangay ca captains should fight drugs and crime. And if they are doing something wrong, they could be shot. So this is interesting. Imagine providing 42,000 people in a city or a country the size of the Philippines with weapons who have the right to use them to enforce the law, to stop drugs, to stop crime from going on. 
Could you imagine if people in the United States would enforce their armed citizens to act the same way? Now, it seems weird to Americans probably that a police can execute you without any charges if they catch you committing a crime or dealing drugs. But you know what? What better way to have a deterrent than if you're caught dealing drugs, you stand a chance of getting shot by the police? Now, of course, in the Philippines, the crime rate has been rising substantially, has been getting out of hand, and this may seem like an extreme move, but you know what? Good guys with guns are the only guys who can stop bad guys with guns. So I applaud the president of the Philippines. Hero of the week to me, he's going to make the community safer by providing guns to people who will use them in the best possible way, by stopping crime. Now, talk about crime. We had the the Democratic presidential debates last week. Now, I do have a couple of things to mention from that. Like, there was a hot mic moment. I think we picked up on this. One of our reporters from the Cartoon Network, I believe it was, or something like that, I can't confirm that, said they overheard occasional Cortex, I mean, Ocasio-Cortez, talking to Elizabeth Warren, otherwise known as Focahontas, asking her, when you were an Indian, did you kill buffaloes to get their little wings? So, you know, I don't know what the answer was to that, but we got we got a question there. Now, also this week, Trump set foot on North Korean soil for the first time in the history of the modern history in the 60 years since the Korean War, at least. And I believe even before that. So Trump crossed the border heading north. And for the first time in forever, Democrats were upset about an illegal border, about a, a border crossing from the south to the north. I guess that's what it takes. If Trump does it, everybody's ex- ex- upset about it if you're a Democrat. The rest of the world is applauding him as a possible peacemaker, and yet the Democrats are crying he should never go. He shouldn't have crossed the border. He shouldn't have gone in. If they were that upset about people crossing borders, maybe they'd stop the illegal immigrants from coming in over the Rio, the, the Rio Grande and possibly drowning themselves and getting their kids incarcerated. Okay, one more thing I want to talk about. There was an attorney who's thinking about bringing a lawsuit against the Virginia Beach shooting, the building where the Virginia Beach shooting took place, because it just revealed that one of his colleagues had considered bringing their gun to work that day. But because of the no-gun policy, they decided to leave it in the car and ended up losing their life because of it. Now, how responsible is somebody who puts up a gun-free zone sign? If they don't allow guns, are they responsible for your safety? Can you sue them if anything happens to you? I mean, they are literally taking away your ability to defend yourself, protect yourself and others. Are they then responsible for your safety? Do they have to provide for it? Can you sue them if anything happens? We'll come back right in a few moments with an answer for that. Well, there probably is no answer, but you're listening to America's Web Radio. This is Locked and Loaded, and I am Roger B. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're, when you get ready to, to, uh, insure your classic, classic, antique, or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. You are listening to America's Web Radio. This is the show Locked and Loaded, where we discuss guns, we discuss firearms, we discuss weapons, and the politics, and the accessories, and the politicians who make this fun to talk about. So we were just discussing whether or not a gun-free zone could be held responsible for your injury or death if you did not bring a weapon into a place to defend yourself, if it was not allowed. Apparently, this is not something that has been decided yet, but probably will be. Well, they'll probably decide against it, I'm sure. But anyway, on to the presidential debate, because that was so much fun to watch. I loved watching the clown car roll out onto the stage and all the contestants getting out and taking their podiums. And of course, one of the number one forerunners, yes, Uncle Joe Biden, he was there, and he is one person who can never be mistaken for an NRA member, as he helped push the 1994 crime bill through. He's an anti-gunner straight to the very core of his being. He hates guns, doesn't want anybody to have them. Oh, wait a second. I I thought he was shooting off his deck a shotgun or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just hang the two barrels off the deck and fire your shotgun off the back deck. That'll scare him away. But that's not a gun, right? Since when is a shotgun not a gun? We're talking about Uncle Joe. I don't think he knows which end of his mouth he's talking out. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's very true. But anyway, he was big into, he wants to promote the use of supposed smart guns. Now, this is something we haven't, haven't really heard much about in a long time. Years ago, there was a company that tried to bring smart guns to the U.S., but it never quite happened, and no one has done it since. There are several working examples out there, several companies working on it, trying to come up with a, an idea to bring a smart gun. Now, you may wonder, what is a smart gun? How Does it, you know, does it make all my other guns dumb? Does it shoot itself? Does it shoot bad guys for me? Does it not shoot good guys? Can it tell the difference? No, a smart gun is just something that identifies with its owner in some manner to know that it's the proper person holding it in order to shoot it. Now, there are several ways to get this done. And you wonder, though, just like California has its imprinting technology that imprints numbers or micro stamps on the gun, supposedly, the technology is not available yet. There's a few examples of it out there, but is it practical? I mean, you think about it, you unlock your smartphone every day with a fingerprint, with a a look from your face, and it unlocks most of the time. But how often have you had to take several tries at it to get it unlocked? Or how many times has the battery in your car remote been weak and not opened your car and you had to resort to the manual key? 
Now, could you imagine if a smart gun, a, a gun that had some kind of fingerprint or uh, pressure sensor security, the battery went dead? You're being mugged or robbed or attacked in some way. Your family is under threat, and you have to go, oh, wait just a minute. I have to wash my hands. I was eating, and they're dirty and won't unlock my gun. Could you hold on for a minute? Or no, oh, I just washed my hands, and now they're wet, and I can't unlock my gun. Oh, the ring or the chip or the uh, the watch I have to wear is in my nightstand. So I'm standing here with a gun full of bullets that I can't fire. But then again, if you can't fire it, it's just a club or a projectile. You could throw it at them because you're not going to be able to fire it without the special specialty release mechanism. Now, there's been talk of suing gun manufacturers just for making a product, even if it works perfectly, exactly as described and as perfectly safe as far as how they make it. Could you imagine suing smart gun manufacturers for when your gun doesn't work? Roger, I'm sure you can answer this, but wouldn't, if my old age memory serves me right, wasn't that incorporated into the hand grip uh, a smart thing of, of when you grip the pistol. Right, right. There's several ways to make it work. There's several ways to have smart gun technology. There is, okay, we're, I was going to get into all those, but there's a, there's a limiting factor here because 20 years ago, smart guns came out. They tried to bring them to market, but no gun store would carry them. You may wonder, why would they not want to carry them? Because New Jersey passed a law saying as soon as one smart gun was sold in the United States, in a retail location, all guns sold in New Jersey would have to be smart guns within three years. So every gun store owner is going, I'm not going to be the first one to sell one of those. I'm not going to put that into effect. So basically, New Jersey has stifled any development into the any type of smart gun. And you may wonder what kind there are. There's a guy named Jonathan Mossberg. Mossberg is one of the biggest makers of shotguns in the country. He branched off and decided to make a smart gun. Now, his uses an RFID chip. So there's a little chip in a ring you wear on one of your fingers, and as you grip the gun, it meets up with the chip inside the grip and allows it to fire. Take your finger away from the grip, it will not fire. Or take the ring off, you can't fire the gun. That's one way of doing it. Now, the RFID technology has gotten so good you could put it into a grain of rice, so it would be very tiny. You could have a very small, easy-to-wear ring. But imagine again, oh, the ring's in my pocket. Oh, what am I going to do? You know, Or you go to bed and you don't wear your ring at the right time, or you have it on the wrong way. <laughs> oh, you could put it in your nose, yes. If you had a nose ring, you could maybe unlock it with that. And then there was another company called Armatex. These guys were out of Germany. They came out with a twenty-two caliber gun years ago that required a watch to work. So they have a gentleman, he's got his watch on his right hand, he grips the gun, the gun unlocks, he can fire the gun. He puts the gun in his left hand, the gun won't fire. Now I'm thinking, most right-handed people wear their watch on their left hand. What if the watch runs out of batteries? What are you going to do? You just have to wait? Oh wait, I have to replace the batteries in my so-called smart gun. But anyway, and now it's funny because... The Armatech's original pistol was a 22, which no one would consider in this country at least sufficient for for self-defense. A 22 is going to irritate somebody. You can hunt squirrels with it, but it's not going to be enough. So now they've come back with a 9mm pistol, and they're trying 
to bring it to market. However, because New Jersey has this mandating the technology law in place, most gun stores will refuse to carry it. They don't. They can't force them to sell it. They have to decide on their own if they're going to sell it. And most gun stores are not willing to contribute to the infringement of Second Amendment rights. And also you may wonder, well, how much is a smart gun? Well, the gun is $1,399. The watch is another 400 So you're talking about $1,800 to get this smart gun. Now I'm wondering, what if your watch doesn't have the... If your wife doesn't have the watch with her, the gun's at home, she's defenseless. She's got a club. So... Or you have to buy two $400 watches and you both have to wear the same watch in order to fire the weapon. Sure, it would be safe, but it's also a giant pain in the butt to try and remember to have your watch on at the right time. Now, the newest version of the Armatix has pressure sensors in the grip that require a certain pattern. So you got to imagine your fingers are numbered 1, 2, 3, 4, and you have a pattern. You have to touch the grip in a certain order. You know, one one three three two one, whatever it is, and then the gun unlocks and you can fire it. That one at least doesn't require any additional adornments. You don't have to wear any extra jewelry. You just have to have the combination and remember what it is and use it quickly enough to get the gun up into into a usable position. So who knows? Maybe this one will be the first one, but again. New Jersey is pretty much stopping all smart gun technology from coming to market. However, currently New Jersey is trying to repeal that law in order to allow the smart gun technology to come to market because they feel like maybe because they had that law too soon, they're stopping the technology from coming to market. So, Do you recall a police department going with smart guns? Not yet. However... That's how this company, Armatix, is going to try and market this new weapon. They're going to try and give it to police officers first, thinking, well, if they use it, then maybe civilians will be more tempted to try one or get one. I was thinking that, you know, and this goes back a number of years, one yesterday, that uh, some, I, I can't remember, and, and I could be a thousand percent wrong. No, no, just you're right. That's actually what they're trying to do now. They're trying to get law enforcement to use it first. Hmm. I think Joe Biden's Secret Service details should be the first ones to use it. Yeah, and not give them the watch. That's right. Make sure their watches have very low batteries when they start. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe someone will just (laughs) throw hot dogs at them or something. Who knows? They won't be able to shoot back. But it's just, it seems crazy that you are so limited in what you can do. Now, imagine having to memorize a pattern with your fingers, and you'd have to do it for the right hand and the left hand and be able to do it quickly to be able to get the the gun to come up and fire. And when somebody's shooting at you, you say one finger, two finger, three finger, four? It's probably more like one, three, two, one, four, some crazy pattern to make it not easy to remember. You know, if you have one, two, three, four on your gun, it's like having one, two, three, or three, four on your luggage lock. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one of the first things they guess, or zero, 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 one, one, one. Yeah, any of those are going to be tough to, to have, but, you know. And also, they're based on computer chips. Computers get hacked in this country every three seconds. So why on earth would you want to kind of put a computer on something that criminals have access to anyway? I just can't imagine this gun that couldn't eventually be programmed, you know, with fingerprints or a phone without having to wear jewelry. I mean, it's just, it seems crazy. Now, I'm sure they're looking at Hollywood going, well, if they can do it in the movies, why can't we do it? I don't understand that. 
course, I don't understand most things politicians do because that's why I'm not one. But it would seem like this is going to be a handicap more than an advantage. Now, granted, would it keep kids from getting guns? Sure. Would it keep people who are not supposed to have them from using them? At least at first, yes. It would provide an additional layer of safety. But I think in most places it would provide an additional handicap, an additional impediment to be able to use a gun quickly and effectively as you need to. I mean, I have I have a, a Glock I carry. I shoot it often. I keep it clean. And still, I get jams. On every gun I've ever owned, I believe I've had a jam, a misfeed, something happened. And this is without any additional layer of electronic protection on top of it. Could you imagine putting another layer of protection on top of a an already imperfect weapon or imperfect device? It would seem like you're just asking for trouble and making things much more difficult. Now, Armatix is going after law enforcement. They want law, enfor- law enforcement to be the, I guess, the guinea pigs of this technology. And I can't imagine any police department willing to put their lives at risk on an untested technology, no matter how good it seems to work. Imagine a police shooting goes down. One guy goes down. The other guy runs out of ammo. He goes to grab the other guy's gun. Oh, wait, he can't shoot it. He doesn't have the right ring, the right watch, you know, the right fingerprint, doesn't know the other guy's pattern. He's sitting there with a gun full of bullets he can't use while he's being fired upon. It would seem like an irresponsible thing for any law enforcement agency to adopt something like this, except, of course, for maybe Obama's or Joe Biden's Secret Service detail. If he's so into this, if he thinks this is the wave of the future, I think he should set the example by going first. Obama even made a speech where he talked about unlocking phones with our finger, with our fingers, with our fingerprints, and why can't we have that in our guns? I say, Mr. Obama, I applaud your idea. It seems great. Why don't you start? Lead by example. Step into the front and lead the way. Show us how your Secret Service agents will have this type of technology on all their guns first. Same thing, Mr. Biden. Vice President Biden, step forward. Be the first one. Be the one to set the example. As you haven't done a very good job of setting the example in the past, and I doubt you're going to have much of a a way of doing it now. But anyway, it's just something to consider that if New Jersey repeals this law mandating smart gun technology, we may see them come to market. And there's going to be a huge variety. There's even somebody who's retrofitting older weapons by swapping the grips out with a fingerprint reader that has an electronic lock. And this is specifically made for 1911-style handguns. Now, I know most people would not want this. Now, maybe there are families that have kids or there are families that have you know, spouses that they don't trust around weapons or kids they don't trust. This might be something they would have to consider and they'd be willing to sacrifice the time and the possible issues. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.